Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. All right, let me welcome on to the show talking about retracing the footsteps of uh, Ndade Credo Modwa and joining us for this conversation, Gogo Makosi, Vulamasango, Isis Motwa. Good morning and thank you so much, Tokoza. Good morning, Sisi. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, I'm good. Th- thank you so much for being available for this conversation. And I think I just, I just want to start with, you know, the work that you have been doing over the last two years in creating this colloquium and and what it is that you are hoping to achieve through it. Thank you so much. I think that as a as Kremlin Foundation, what we are hoping to achieve is just to take people back to our indigenous knowledge system, because that's what Baba was all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baba has worked so hard in trying to explain himself, but when you round up all his teaching, it's just that let's go back to where we started as Africans. I remember him saying, uh, I was sharing one day what I was taught at school, and I remember him saying, rubbish. What we are being taught is rubbish. How come we don't have our own community school that are teaching our children about our own IKS? How come we don't have our own creative writing? Because these creative writings that we are having, it's good. But as Africans, we have our own. That has been trying to explain it all along. That people, they must learn about it. They must teach their children about it. How come we are not teaching our children about our own indigenous food? So when I look at this, uh, I can, as for me, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's nothing new. It's a lifestyle that we need to embrace, that we need to teach our children. With all these diseases that we are having, it's because we have lost Ubuntu bait. We have lost the way of life, the way we are raised by our great-great-grandparents. So for me, it's about knowledge. Mm. On African spirituality, it's about creating our own creative writings as Africans. It's about having our own community school. And all this IKS, now I see it is starting, it has started in university. I am saying, let's take it back to the great earth. It's good that we have started. Mm. But how about that child who's sitting in grade R still learning about ABCD? How about teaching that child about the indigenous food, about the way how we dress up as women back then? So for me, it's about going back to Embo, not that we want to go walking around wearing Amapeishu and all that, but teaching and preaching about our own African food, our own Af- the way of life. Mm. That is very good. Look at our children now. Even their hair, the way they do their hair. They look beautiful. They will tell you, yeah, I look beautiful with weave. How about that Afro hair? Telling our children that you are beautiful with your Afro hair. Mm. With your curly hair. You look beautiful. You look beautiful with your dark skin. 
so it's it's a way of, for me it's a way of life it's about taking people back and it, 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 it's a tool that can unite communities it can unite communities it can unite families it can unite individuals it's said that we have students who are doing this course the iks and their families are asking where are you going to work because they are just thinking you just need to sit in an office and get money and get paid. Mm. How about teaching them to, to go and plant fruits, to go and plant millennials, to go and plant and be solemnly involved in agriculture. I remember when I was growing up, uh, uh, getting educated in Mexico, agriculture was the thing where in class we were taught on how to plant vegetables, you are taught to have a backyard vegetable garden. What happened to that? That is why we are so sick nowadays. That is why we are struggling with COVID. We have to wear masks because we have lost the essence of who we are as Africans. Okay. We are talking with my other sister, Otisagel, and you know what? We need an African school. We have a lot of government uh, um, uh, schools that are depreciating, that are not utilized. How about giving us that one school and then we, we have this course from mm-hmm. grade R and mm-hmm. then we graduate them up until university. We have material of IKS. There's a lot of material. There's, we can even extract from Baba's material and come to class and teach. Mm-hmm. So Goko, uh, let, let me ju- let me just uh, interject you there uh, and also g- welcome onto the show uh, Caesar Ngosi Mokele, who is also an an author, poet, and lecturer at the Soplaki University. Uh, good morning, and thank you for being able to join us today. Good morning, Global Gazi and thank you for having us. You know, it. it uh, we've been hearing about the importance of this um, from Gogo Vula Masango Isis Mutwa. You, as as an institution of learning and education, why yeah. was it so important for you to to partner with a foundation like the Credo Mutwa Foundation, and and how does this lead to where? Ugogo Vulamasango is 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 talking about where mm-hmm. African knowledge systems become part of the curricula, become part, become as easily accessible as any other forms of knowledge or education that we already have out there. That it's not something that one has to, you know, look for and look far to try and find. And mm. uh, Sister Katie, I think for me. The thing is that there's so many truths in the world and I feel we also deserve the opportunity and space to contribute to our truths truths as African institutions, as African institutions based in Africa with African children in them because so far, unfortunately, uh, we haven't had visual or, or concrete solutions to African problems because the perspective is still very Eurocentric in approach and, you know, it, it leaves out a lot, a huge part of who we are, which can be used as solution, like Ukoko Nusipo is saying, Ukoko Vutama Masango, 
that right now we have COVID. You don't mean that there is no way that Umsonyana could work. For example, I'm just saying, if COVID is an immune illness, then we have stuff from the Mother Earth that provides us to have healing, to, to heal ourselves of these ailments. So as just an example, it's important to also have our own perspective as black institutions based in Africa with African children. And from from the point of then transferring this knowledge into something that can be seen as academically rigorous, <laughs> because we know that there's a whole set of processes that, uh, you know, that that knowledge or information needs to go through before mm-hmm. it can be considered as uh, suitable academically. You know, what are some of the processes that you think need to take place? Mm, like processes around languages for me are still an issue because unfortunately uh, the government also allowed for the diversity of language and it's constitutionally allowed to express ourselves the way we do. And as a teacher in class, I can tell you the challenges that come with having to teach students who have their own mother tongue, meaning ideas and culture and knowledge that they own, né? And you have to teach them in a foreign language that they, it's, I think it's a trap. So I think we, it's very important that we fix that. Um, the fact that we are still following structures that don't even embrace like how we, how we, how we, how we experience the knowledge that we have, how we contribute to the knowledge as universities. So like policies around language, policies around who gives information, who provides knowledge to these institutions. Because if you look at research, for example, research goes to communities, right? Uh, They come interview people of the village to learn about the Gora or whatever plant. And then they come back as if that knowledge was never by the people or never provided by the people. So for me, it's those little things also just being able to to acknowledge other knowledge producers in the system, especially in Africa. All right. Thank you so much for, for that con- contribution. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll continue with this conversation after this. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. So we're looking at the second intergenerational colloquium that is being held in the honor of Ndate Credo Mutwa, and it is being curated by the foundation and the Sol Plaki University. Gogo Vlamasango, perhaps just talk us through what the second colloquium is going to entail. Um, I think for now, we're still happy with these two. We'd like to see action being done because it's not about having all these colloquiums. Mm. We need to have the colloquiums and then we need to have action plans. What exactly is going to come out out of these colloquiums? So I think that, that, that's for me. And then the next is, is uh, approaching other universities as well. We have a university in, in Northwest. We also have a university in Bulugwane. 
we have we have a lot of universities that would like to approach. I I, I know through CISA, who's been pioneering this, the one who who will be going around and making other making sure that other universities are having this colloquium. But we are looking forward in working with universities. And at the same time, how I wish we can also go down to, to schools and also teach this to, to our young children. Mm-hmm. Caesar, let mm-hmm. me give you a chance also in terms of this colloquium. What are you hoping to get out of it? And also, what can people expect from the program? Yeah, okay. So the colloquium started yesterday, and today we're actually on our way to Mahojaneng to uh, Mkudu Mutwa's uh, home to see his work. But I really want to highlight the fact that this colloquium also seeks to hold uh, or to create a space where we hold each other accountable. I mean, we were supported supported by the national and provincial um, departments of sports, arts and culture in, 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 in Kimberley, in, in, in Northern Cape, as well as the national. So right now we are hoping that we are able to attack issues or tackle issues that outstanding like the issues of IP rights, the issues of mm-hmm. accessibility of books in libraries and museums, like those institutions are still very um inaccessible to the broad community who contribute their work to them, which is something that I think the institution, this learning institution, so like university, is also committing itself. I mean we are working also with the heritage department at, at soap like museums, and I know that there are ways where we are trying to preserve this knowledge and fight for the rights of our people, the IP intellectual rights, the knowledge producers whose, whose work is being um, enjoyed by other people than us that we can't even get access to because of the system. So this colloquium really just seeks to create that space where everyone is accountable and we are looking for a way forward because it has been a hundred thousand years before where we come from. Colonization happened many years ago. We just also need to be patient with each other, but time has run out. There's an urgency to this. That is why we're bringing all, everybody I mean, Advocate Mandula is part of the panel and is the human rights defender. We hope by the end of this process, at least we would have gathered some rights of Mkulu's work. And it's not just Mkulu's work. It's also Miriam Mageba's work. It's also my work as a writer and poet. You know, how do we protect our work and and, and let it benefit our communities? Mm. So this colloquium really is just a space where we can come together and brainstorm solutions on how to move forward. How how much of the success of this fight, if I can put it that way, depends on resources? So how much of it depends on actually on, on, on people having enough money and enough capacity to actually keep on fighting uh, for it? Um, I beg your pardon. Pardon, I didn't get the question. Sorry. So, 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 um, so what I'm saying is that how much of what you are trying to do, even in trying to, uh, you know, get back some of this intellectual property, get some of these rights, how much of that depends on resources, as in money to do it, and mm-hmm. capacity, having the right kind of skills of people who would be able to take the fight up at that level? 
Yeah. And, you know, resources, that's why we brought in the government, you know, the, the people that we trust as leading us into the spaces who are partnering with us. I think um, capacity-wise, we, we are lawyers, we are doctors, we are intellectuals. We have the capacity to claim, and if we can just get the right support from the government. And I, I say this with a heavy heart because there's, there's, there's also a group of knowledge producers who are artists who can't be acknowledged, for example, in these kind of conversations because, I don't know, they didn't get a paper from a institution mm-hmm. which doesn't speak to what we do in Africa. But we also just have it in the system anyway as stolen property because we use it, but we're just not going to acknowledge it. So, I don't know, I'm also just putting it back to the government, our leaders, our leaders, and these institutions, by the way, are government institutions. Mm. So, this is also just a call to them, and also calling everybody in Africa who's working in these institutions, who's affected by them, in the sense that they're sending their children to that space. We really need to a push because we've got the will. We, right. we, we have resilience. Yeah. All right. Let me thank you for your time. Uh, And that was Siza Ngosi Mukele, who is an author, poet, and lecturer at the University of Solplaki, and Gogo Makosi Vulamasango Isis Mutwa. Uh, We'll take a quick break, and then on the other side of this, of course, we are in conversation uh, with uh, Gabby Ngobo, who is the 